Here we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to worship. We're so excited you're joining us this morning. Hi to everyone online. If you're joining us online today, why don't you stand and join us as we sing together. We, we're doing a new series this week, starting this week on the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to teach you a new song all about it. together our father our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name come and let your glory come and let your glory fall our father who art in heaven the rocks cry out your fame Come and let your glory, come and let your glory fall. And I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven god give us new every morning mercy is daily bread in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we pray and lead us not to temptation but deliver us with your hand in the name of jesus in the name of jesus we pray oh father we pray i will sing sing a new song i will sing sing a new song i will sing Sing a new song to the Lord. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. For the kingdom is yours and the power is yours and the glory kingdom is yours and the power is yours for the glory forever amen let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And every heart proclaim the mercy of your name on earth as it is in heaven. Let your 
this together. Water you turned into wine. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Our God. Into the darkness. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are high.
you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to those around you. Hey, Greg, can we bump monitor one just a little bit? some ring. Bring it back down. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll manage. Let's sing this together. All who are thirsty
Amen. Thank you, Praise Band. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Jill. So glad that you are here today for our 11 o'clock contemporary worship service. We are in the season of Lent officially, as we had Ash Wednesday this past Wednesday, and now we are entering into our 40 days of reflection before Easter Sunday. And so we are doing a series on the Lord's Prayer during Lent. And so I invite you, one, to, I hope, see you in worship so we can continue to, to pray that prayer together and decide new meanings for it. And also we have children's books called The Most Important Prayer of All that you can give to a young person in your life, children, grandchildren, uh, friends, whomever you think would need or enjoy this book. There are copies right outside. They are free. Please pick one up and take a few if you'd like. We want to make sure everybody who has the opportunity um, to have one will have one. And of course, if you missed the big news last week, we are wel welcoming a new lead pastor in August, Reverend Nicole Caldwell-Gross. And we have a post on our social media page, our Facebook page. Please take a moment to welcome her. We are kind of in competition with St. Luke's, where she's coming from. They have all wished her well wishes, and uh, we want to make sure we are matching, if not more, um, the welcome comments for her as she comes to us in August. So we are excited to see what new ministry she will bring to our faith community here. And, of course, uh, we have Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday is coming up as we are ending Lent. And so please take this home, mark your calendars for those worship opportunities coming up um, in the next month or so. And then um, don't forget to set your clock forward one hour next Saturday night. Sorry, sorry. Lose that hour of sleep, but we hope that you will not uh, we, you will not lose church, so we want to make sure we are all on the same page and worship together next week. There's also a Lenten devotional available for you, either from our website or that we have a few printed copies out there. Please make sure to pick one up or follow along on our website um, during Lent. And let's take a moment now to enjoy our stewardship video for this week. Hi, I'm Bonnie Zickraff with Noblesville First United Methodist Church, and I am just so excited to say a big thank you for everyone who donated any of our prayer buddies, all 210 of them. We also had several volunteers to come forward on a Saturday morning, and we had uh, coffee with the animals, actually, and uh, these are on their way to start their own ministries here, and uh, sometime later this week, they'll be donated to uh, the Noblesville Police Department, uh, the Fire Department, as well as Allisonville Meadows uh, Hospice Center and Memory Care Center. And also, um, we, uh, we just donated over 50 of these uh, prayer buddies, we call them prayer buddies, uh, to the preschool uh, just a few minutes ago for comfort for the kids and also for the teachers at the loss of their friend, Jen Nicholson. We all appreciate the growth of this ministry. In fact, speaking of growth, if you see this um, giraffe next to me, 
this giraffe also had a baby, just like that April giraffe did a couple years ago at one of the zoos and it went virtual, so you never know. This might go virtual too. <laughs> Thank you all so very much. This is a continuing ministry at our church. Uh, you can donate. I've got, um, let's see, a bassinet, a pack and play, playpen, whatever you call these things, animal cages, both down in the Great Hall, outside of Celebration Hall, and also in the Narthex. So thank you for your kindness and your goodness and thinking about others, even before yourself, just through any of these little animals. Thank you so much, and God bless. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed by thy name, thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in, in earth as it will as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a few moments now to hear more about the Lord's Prayer from Chuck Knows Church. What's the most common prayer said in churches around the world? Please, Lord, help me pass this test, even though I didn't study. No, probably not. Uh, it's the Lord's Prayer, of course. But do you know where it comes from? Or what Jesus intended when he shared it with his disciples? It's a little more puzzling, isn't it? That's why we're talking about the Lord's Prayer on this episode of Chuck Knows Church. prayer is central to the Christian faith, uh, originally appearing in the New Testament in both Matthew and Luke, and with all the different versions of the Bible, we're left with many different translations. So we'll take a look at Matthew chapter 6, where the prayer is found in a collection of Jesus' sayings and teachings called the Sermon on the Mount. Now in this section, his teaching focuses on ostentation. That's right, ostentation. That's Mr. and Mrs. Tation's firstborn son, Austin. It's a terrible joke and I apologize. <clears throat> Ostentation is actually to put on a display to impress others. Uh, boastful. Is that better? Now, Jesus reminds his disciples and, in effect, us, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pray to show off. Instead, he tells us to pray in private, that God already knows our hearts and our needs. He knows that you didn't study for that test. So all those empty phrases or big words, uh-uh, not necessary. Instead, come before God in a state of humility. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First, humbly acknowledge your God, the first commandment. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. God's reign will be here on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Christ is the bread of life. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins and help us to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, keep me on the right track. 
Uh, it ends right there in Matthew. But there is a familiar last part for some of us. Uh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now that was added later, probably based on a blessing in the book of First Chronicles, which says, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. So asking for God's guidance, protection, and forgiveness covers all bases in a short, concise prayer. Amen. Now, to learn more, you can ask your pastor. Tell him Chuck sent you. Our confirmation class is very familiar with Chuck Knows Church. He does a great job of explaining pretty much everything. There's even an episode about United Methodist committees, if you're interested. He does everything. So I have a, a question for you all. What was the age that you were when you first learned the Lord's Prayer? You remember? really young. You, you feel like you've always known it. Yeah. Holding hands. Maybe your, your mother taught it to you, a parent. Yeah, so I had a different experience because not really growing up in the church, coming from the Jewish faith, I did not really know the Lord's Prayer, at least memorizing until I was in my 20s, maybe. And I remember an experience of when I was visiting a church and I was really wrestling with what I believed and kind of exploring Christianity. And we we're sitting in church and these people started saying the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, huh, I guess if I'm going to do this whole Christianity thing, I need to learn this <laughs> and uh, memorize it and, and know what it means, right? So I hope that over the next few weeks we'll kind of discover anew what it means for our lives because for me at least I know for me it becomes very routine sometimes right we say it so many times that we don't really know what we're saying or we're just going through the motions and the words just fly out of our mouths with not much thought and we may even become bored with it it's okay it's okay to confess that because we say it so much we may think that it's maybe old language and not really relevant to us today. But as we begin this season of Lent, I can't think of a better way to explore how we might grow in our relationship with God than to go back and perhaps relearn the Lord's Prayer and what it means for each one of us. So over the next few weeks, we'll spend time with each word or phrase to understand what this prayer is trying to teach us. And in the process, my hope is that we can have a new appreciation for these words that we all know and that perhaps they won't be so routine for us anymore, but another chance for us to connect with the God and with one another. And as we consider the opening phrase of the Lord's Prayer, let's say it together. <clears throat> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we pray this prayer, we begin... Oh, you're ready to go on, weren't you? <laughs> when we pray this prayer, we are addressing God as Father in particular. Now, when I was a little girl, my sister and I went to some kind of tech store, I don't know, like Radio Shack or one of those, with my dad. And my sister wandered off and got lost. And so she started yelling out, Daddy! Daddy! 
And of course, what happened? Like 10 different men turned around thinking that their child was lost. And so finally she realized that wasn't working. And so she started to say, Steve, Steve. And of course, around the corner, my dad came. So we learned a lesson that day that in this world, there are a lot of daddies, right? But not so many Steves. (laughs) So when we pray, we face the same challenge. There are a lot of gods in this world. Nearly every tribe and culture has claimed a god as their own. We have the name of God in Allah. We have Vishnu. We have Baal. We have Thor. We have Zeus. And metaphorically speaking, we have many gods that compete for our attention and adoration every single day, right? Just look at social media or celebrities or sports teams. We all have those things that we we love maybe a little too much. Like for me, it's my purses and shoes, right? So we have all these things that we, we are competing for and maybe gods in our own lives, just as a few examples. So in Scripture, it's, ent- it's not entirely clear on what the name of God is or what we should use for God. Now, the generic term for God is Elohim, used by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this was not necessarily God's name. Moses is the one who had the privilege of learning the name of God. Remember the burning bush when God says, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, Yahweh, the God, Elohim of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. So Yahweh, as the Hebrew scriptures did not include the vowels, So we don't know what the real pronunciation of this Yahweh, as we say it today, might be. There are people that say that this Yahweh is almost the sound of breathing, this yod Hey yad Veh, so that when we say Yahweh, we are breathing in and out the name of God, that God is as our breath. But when Jews saw the letters in the text, they used Adonai, which translates to Lord, because they believed that this name of God, Yahweh, was so holy that people should not even speak or write the name out. I have uh, Jewish friends today that when they are writing even a text or an email or a paper, they won't write out the full name of God. They'll say G-D as a way of saying, this name of God is so holy that I don't need to spell it all out. So we have to remember that the disciples of Jesus knew a God from their deeply held beliefs and traditions, that God of Exodus, right, who was hidden in a cloud or covered by a curtain, or the stories of seeing God's face was to risk your own life. And so the Hebrew scriptures have so many images of God, including father and mother, But Jesus' lesson on prayer emphasizes that the primary image of God is intimacy. That intimacy, that God preferred that parent language of prayer, of setting aside the titles that make God seem distant or even fearsome. He chose Abba, a word that could be translated as an intimate daddy, or something else that we might feel more comfortable saying. He did not tell his disciples to pray using Elohim or Yahweh or Adonai. He tells his disciples to call upon God as a parent, 
when they were lost or afraid or feeling hopeless. This was radical theology at the time, and it still is. We might think of it today as business as usual. We, we say our father just like it's nothing. But imagine someone teaching his disciples to pray to God in such an intimate way in a culture where even to utter the name of God was risky. Calling God Abba would have been close to blasphemy, almost. In fact, taking such risk was what led Jesus to the cross and the way he taught. The name for God was a threat to the religious authorities. They did not like this new terminology at all. It's worth mentioning that in today's world, we might find comfort in calling God mother, father, creator, or parent. All are valid ways to address God. Jesus' point was to teach about a new kind of relationship with God, one that is personal but also powerful. For Jesus, God is the father we cry out to when we are scared or hurt. God is the mother who dries our tears or gets rid of our pain. God is a parent, intimate, loving, committed, approachable, not a distant, wrathful, or abusive deity. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he writes to the Roman church of what it means to live in the spirit of God versus a rather legalistic law. And a gift of the living in the spirit of God, he says, is that we receive not a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption. That our spirits share such intimacy with God that we cry out, Abba, Father, and know that we are indeed God's children. According to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, it is this spirit that gives us the assurance that we are beloved children of God and enables us to live a life worthy of the calling placed on each of our lives. That to be a child of God means that we breathe back the spirit that is first given to us so that we give and we receive. God breathes in to us and we breathe God out. When we pray, our Father, our Mother, Creator, we acknowledge that our adoption as children of God is a lovely truth. This means that we must also proclaim that anyone who calls upon God as Father must also be our brothers and sisters. We then have a responsibility to care for each other without reservation. Having acknowledged that spirit of adoption, in the first words of the Lord's Prayer, we then reach the first request or petition of the prayer, which is this, Hallowed be thy name. This is actually a request for God to act. These words echo another Jewish prayer that dates back to the time of Jesus called the Kaddish prayer. It's usually followed by the teaching of a rabbi or at the time of commemorating the death of a loved one. When I was active in the Jewish faith, we would say the Kaddish prayer every Shabbat service. We would say it in Hebrew. I think I could probably still say it if I had someone with me saying it beautiful prayer. And we would say this as we remembered the loved ones that had passed in the past year. So like a, a death anniversary, we would say the, the cottage prayer every week to remember and celebrate that life. And it began with these words, 
these words, may his great name be hallowed in the world in which he created. Hallowed is not a word that we hear or use very often, right? I don't think I'll be finding hallowed on Xavier's vocabulary homework anytime soon. <laughs> we talk about hallowed ground or we use it in some other ways, but here it refers to something or someone that is holy. To be hallowed or holy is to be set apart for God's will and purposes. When Jesus teaches this prayer, he was inviting us to pray that God would help use us to make God's name hallowed or holy. We are asking God to help us live in ways that reflect God's goodness, mercy, majesty, beauty, and love. When we pray this prayer, we are praying, may God your name be hallowed in and through us, in our lives, our words, our thoughts, our actions. We ask God to use us to hallow God's name. We pray that we might show God's love to others. And we seek to love people with God's love. We ask for help in keeping the name of God holy, which in today's world is sometimes hard to do. We live in a polarized culture. We have division, prejudice, anger, bitterness. We're in a time of war at this very moment. So keeping God's name holy is then to stand against evil and injustice and oppression, to send a message to the world that we stand for love as brothers and sisters. Now, we may not always agree. We may not always get along. We may not always get it right, but we share responsibility for each other. What makes God's name hallowed is when his children begin to value relationships over religion. What makes God hallowed is when we as children live in community, relating in peace and sharing resources. What makes God hallowed is when we might love God with all of our heart, our mind, and our soul, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. When we remember to hallow God's name, we then circle back to why we pray to God as our Father. It reminds us that we live in community. We should not limit our prayers to just our friends or our families or the things that we want or the things that we worry about. When Xavier was a toddler, I went to pick him up from daycare one day, and he was at the other side of the room when I got in there. And this little girl ran up to me. She threw her arms around my waist, and she said, This is my mommy! Okay? Well, Xavier from the other side of the room heard this and he saw me and he ran over and he said no he got really mad this is my mommy my mommy I try not to laugh right it's like when Xavier does something absolutely crazy or horrible and I report back to his dad you will never guess what your child did today but no at the end of the day for better or worse he is our child, and that we are all in this together. For better or worse, right? Our father, our brothers and sisters, we are all God's children. Our God is far too hallowed to be placed inside a one-size-fits-all box or religion. Our God is, in fact, our God, our God is wider than we might realize at first, 
And we then hallow God's name by seeing outside of ourselves and our own worlds, our own opinions, and our own cultures. When we pray for other people, we discover that oftentimes we might be the answer to that particular need. Rabbi Hillel is one of the most important leaders in Jewish history posed this question. He said, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Too often we offer just our, our prayers instead of our actions. We see too often on the news after a tragedy, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims. That's nice, but what else can we be doing? One of the most influential women that I knew when I served the church in Terre Haute was Marilyn Peffley. Her daughter was tragically killed by a drunk driver in 1978. And as part of her grieving process, she founded the Wabash Valley chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving and led that for 25 years. She wanted to do more than just thoughts and prayers for her family's loss and the other lives lost from drunk driving. She decided to take action. Her tireless advocacy for victims of drunk driving led to changes in policy and legal alcohol limits. Her efforts and support were widely felt by so many, and she helped change, and even she saved lives. When I presided at her funeral, when she died at the age of 78, I was humbled by the obvious impact that her courage and willingness had in the community and beyond. A prayer for our Father is more than just a prayer. Like Marilyn Peffley, it is a call to action to claim responsibility for our communities and for those who cannot speak for themselves, who we see and claim as brothers and sisters. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These words embody intimacy responsibility, community, and setting aside our own needs for the needs of others. Once we know this intimacy, once we desire what God desires, we can do so much more with the way that we pray. Once we hallow God's name and accept our responsibility, we share God's love for all God's children. <clears throat> once we understand God's call to community, we commit ourselves, ourselves to establish God's kingdom. Once we know all these things, we are willing to deny ourselves in order to see God's will be done. But for today, let's rejoice in the words of Paul, that we have received the spirit of adoption, that we have received the gift of calling God as our Father, let us also accept, though, the responsibilities that come with such an intimate address of the Holy One, that our words will not be in vain. May it be so. Amen. Let's take a few moments to pray silently, then there will be a time for pastoral prayer, and then you'll get your chance to say the Lord's Prayer today. And I hope that you will really think about the words and begin to reflect even more on their meaning as we continue our series and our Lenten journey. Let us pray.
Holy God, we gather today to indeed hallow your name. We hallow your name just by being here this morning in worship, singing, glorifying you, and praying, and being with one another. But Lord, today we understand that there's so much more that we can do to hallow your name. We get outside of our boxes, our worlds, our opinions, and we find ways to worship you and to make your name holy in the midst of so many other gods that we are finding in our lives. So Lord, as we continue to hallow your name, we also pray for our world, for those places affected especially by war and violence, for those places overrun with oppression and a feeling of hopelessness. We pray for places of famine and disease where we cannot even begin to imagine what lives are like. And Lord, today we ask your spirit of healing to be upon all of these persons as well as those more close to us. For those struggling with health, mental or physical, Lord, we ask your spirit of peace and healing to be upon them. We extend prayers to those who are grieving today. We pray for those in our community who are simply trying to find a way forward one day at a time. We lift up our families, our children, and those that we love. We also are reminded to love our neighbors as ourselves, even if that means we don't know our neighbors or a neighbor makes us uncomfortable or are different than we are. And Lord, we pray that this season of Lent you would guide us as you did Jesus in the wilderness to the cross. That we would reflect, we would discern, we would find ways to be closer to you. That we are ready to face the joy of the resurrection. And as we continue to learn about the Lord's Prayer, may we open our hearts to the ways that we can reflect and learn and find new meaning in the words that we know and love so well. So as we say them today, might you find ways to challenge us, to open our ears, that we might go out into the world and put thoughts and prayers into practice and action. And so now we lift up the words that our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
time, we're going to move into a time of communion. And, you know, I feel like communion is really sim similar to the Lord's Prayer in, in that it is something that we do again and again and again, and it can start to feel mundane. It can start to feel normal or usual, but communion is so far from something that is just normal or usual. It is something that is truly holy and, and set apart. It's one of the reasons that we in the Methodist Church believe in an open table because we truly believe that when you approach the table of God, you are coming to meet the one true living God. And we are no one to decide who can and who can't approach that table. It is an incredible gift to have something as simple as food and drink be and a doorway to a connection to our Father. And so this morning, as we do, as we come forward, we invite you to take just a moment to recognize, to feel, to internalize the weight of which what we're about to do, that is to meet the one true God in a place that he designed for us. We're going to invite you to come forward in a moment. The basket on the right here, you can drop in your action card. Let us know you're here, as well as how we can help you get involved with the ministries here at Noblesville First. If you brought an offering this morning and you'd like to give it as an act of worship, you can drop that in the basket as well. The basket on the left has communion cups with a wafer and some juice. You can grab one of those, take it back to your seat if you'd like. You can kneel here at the altar, light a candle, say a prayer. Whatever it is that draws you into worship with God today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you again for this opportunity that you have just created this incredible, simple act that can be so holy and set apart. Something as simple as eating bread and drinking juice can be a window into a meeting with you, our Father. God, we, we just praise you this morning that, that you have set this up for us, that you have created a place that is open and available for all. And you didn't say just do it on a Sunday morning when you're at church. You didn't say just do it on the special occasions when the church tells you to. No, your son came and ate with his friends and said, whenever, whenever you eat of this loaf, whenever you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. You set up something as simple as sharing a meal together as a window into you and your great love and your great mercy and your great grace. God, fill us with that knowledge this morning. Make this time of approaching your table different. Help us to recognize the holiness that we take part in every time we come to your table and help us that we would leave here different than we came, ready to love deeper, to offer more mercy, to be more graceful and to show the world your love. And we ask as we do each week that you make these gifts of food and drink for us to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
And now we invite you to remember. To remember the night that Jesus gave himself up for us. To remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends. And he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends. And he said, eat all of you. This is my body, which is for you. And after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to his friends. And he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The table is open, friends. Come. Will you stand and join us as we close with worship?